You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, this morning we get to hear from Pastor Laurel Bunker, and I want to share a little bit about... Pastor Bunker. For over 30 years, Pastor Laurel Bunker has been a leader in the fields of nonprofit management, higher education, church, and parachurch ministry. She's impacted the lives of men and women through empowered teaching, training, mentoring, and leadership development that builds character. She spent 14 years as a campus pastor, so she knows this demographic well. And in 2021, she left to pursue her own launch her own LLC, the Boncourt Collaborative. Laurel is a sought-after conference speaker, pastor, writer, preacher. She teaches at colleges and universities all over the country and spoken around the world. So uh, Pastor Bunker has been a speaker here before at Asbury, and I know that you'll find her communication excellent and what she has to share around the heart of Jesus for us timely. So I'm really excited for us to get to hear her ministry for us this morning. Uh, The chapel frame today is heart holiness, which is all about being filled up with the spirit in Jesus. So as we go into worship, why don't you stand with me and let me pray for us. Jesus. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for being with us throughout spring break. Thank you for bringing rest and renewal. Thank you for a pause. <laughs> Even as some people were working on academics, I know that overall we got this pause and a sense of reboot for these next weeks. Thank you, Jesus, that you go with us. You're ahead of us. You've gone behind us on all sides. And we thank you that you are present here. So open our hearts to you this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's try it again, Asbury. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm like, I thought I was with revival people. I'm like, where am I at? Let's go, somebody. Listen, the word of God tells us that no rock, nothing should ever cry out louder than the people of God. And I want to encourage you today to hold fast to the things of God. No matter where you find yourself on your journey, hold fast to the things of God. I come to you from the city of Minneapolis. And for any of you who understand what happened in 2020 in the years of Minneapolis, you know that I understand what it is like to live under a global microscope. We know what it is like to have people converge on our city to see how we were surviving the things that were happening among us. I know that some of you in this room know something about living under a microscope. And I know that you know something about those who are coming with passion and those who are skeptical. But can I tell you in this day, no matter who comes on this campus, no matter what happens, your soul's passion in this hour must be Jesus Christ and him alone. It must be Jesus for your sake and for the sake of the entire world. Today I want to preach a word from you for you called this sacred present moment. This present moment, this right now moment. Now I know some of you have just come off a spring break. My daughter did as well. I've got a daughter. How many of you are seniors in this room? So you ready to get up out of here, right? 
I have a daughter who's a senior at Wheaton. She's trying to finish things as well. But let me encourage you as a pastor, as a mom, as someone who's been on a lot of campuses, as someone who's been interceding for you. I was not a sojourner. I did not come down here. What I did do was pray and intercede for you. What I did do is ask the Lord to continue to keep in your hearts a wonder about what God could do. Because how many of you know what happened in this room is just the beginning? What God showed you in this room is nothing compared to the greatness of what he can do. It's just the beginning. But let me also encourage you that the darkness that we see in these days, the shooting that happened in Michigan, the death that we see in the streets is what the enemy will also try to do. We are in a convergence of darkness and light. We are seeing in this hour as never before the birth pangs as the scriptures talk about. We are seeing darkness rev up its engines. We are seeing the enemy who knows his time is short try to come against anything that is holy. And so as we live in this convergence of darkness and light, I don't know about you, but I am asking myself, Lord, what do I do? How shall I live when I see the high moments of what I've seen here and what I've seen around the world, because I want to encourage you that there is a rumbling, there is an underground, there is an anointing, there is a quaking that is all around the world coming from your generation. Jesus is manifesting himself around the world. Healings are happening around the world. Transformations are happening around the world. And here's the thing, that is the test of our faith. Will we worship him even in the darkness? Will we worship him when there are no cameras? Will we worship him when you lose friends and family for the sake of the gospel? Will we worship him then? Will we worship him when we are the only ones standing with our hands lifted high? When people walk away from us, because that, my friends, will be the test of our faith. When the enemy comes against us as a flood, the word promises that God will raise up a standard. I don't know about you, but in these evil days, I'm looking for a standard. I'm looking for any experience with God and through God that I can get to make me a stronger, better, holier, more devout believer in Jesus Christ. Am I talking to anybody this morning? God wants us to hold on to this sacred present moment. And so when I asked the Lord what he would have me preach this morning, he gave me Psalm 63. Psalm 63 was written by David when he was in the desert. It was written at a time where King David had had his high points. He had fallen with Bathsheba. And now his own son Absalom sought to take his throne and threatened his life and he once again ran into the desert. But what I love about this portion of scripture is nothing that you read in this portion would give you any indication that he was in a desert place. It sounds as though he was on a mountaintop. Why? Let me say this to you. It is only through intimacy with God that whether you are in the valley or whether you are in the mountain, you will be kept. In your low times with God, he will keep you when everybody else is losing their minds. On the mountaintop, when you see great vistas of his glory, 
He will also continue to give you a hope and a prayer for the people who are down below. Here's the reality. Whether you are in a high time or a low time, God is the one that keeps us and sustains us in and through it all. So as we think about this sacred present moment, hear this word coming from Psalm 63, just the first eight verses. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. Did we not just sing that truth? I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing my lips will mouth you will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to your right hand, which upholds me. Beautiful language, almost poetic, creative, and amazing. As we find here David writing this, recognizing that he had moments where he was on the mountaintop of God. He was the king of Israel. He is the one that was chronicled about. He was the one chosen by Samuel, chased by Saul. He had power and ability and might. His heart was beautiful, the word of God tells us. But then, how many of you know that we can get into positions of power or authority or we can experience things and we can lose our way? David lost his way. He lost his way and that cost him an incredible amount. But here, as we read this message, we don't find him complaining. We don't see him saying, God, why? We don't see him worshiping only when the times are high. We hear him saying, God, you are my God. And earnestly, with a deliberation, with a passion, I'm going to seek you. David wasn't just seeking him because he was in trouble. David's whole life as a worshiper was about seeking after the things of God. Dear Asbury community, please let me encourage you to let your whole life be about seeking after the beauty of God. Please do not wait until the difficulties of life come crashing in on you before you decide to bow before the throne of God. Please do not let what happened in this room pass away because the Spirit of God is still in this room. From the moment I stepped in here, I knew that I was on holy ground. My knees started to quake at the very imagination of what happened here in these days. And how many of you know that people converged here from around the world because the world is desperate? Did you all get a sense of that? of desperation, that people would travel 20 and 30 hours simply to put their feet where you live? Do you know that the world is now experiencing revival because some of you dare get on your knees and repent? 
Do you know that the world is now shifting and there's a greater opportunity for a young generation to have hope because you obeyed? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And I know that this campus sacrificed, but your obedience is having a ripple effect. It's having a ripple effect in conversations. I've had conversations with atheists, agnostics, angry individuals who don't believe that what happened here was real. I said to them, have you ever sat in a chair in Hughes? Because if you had, you would have known that nobody in their right mind, save the Holy Ghost, would sit for 24 hours a day. Am I right? Somebody give me a hallelujah. Would nobody, nobody in their right mind, unless you want to have numb buns, would sit for 24 hours a day for 15 days in one of these here chairs. Can I get an amen? amen. God did something in this room that nobody will ever be able to take away. It was not ushered in by adults. It was not programmed. There were no bills that went out. It was some of you who knelt and said, forgive me, God, for I am a sinner. And the reverberation of your proclamation created a wave that is still crashing against the shores of nations around the world. Never minimize what happened in this room. Never allow yourselves to become skeptical or to shrug your shoulders or to say, well, it was what it was. Never imagine that what happened in this room is all God could do and all he has for you. And never imagine that there will not be a reverberation for years to come. What happened in this room came out of desperation. And I don't know about you, but our world is desperate. Does anybody have desperate friends? Anybody in this room tired of burying their friends? Anyone in this room tired of seeing the division in our country? Does anybody long for a unified church? Does anybody long to see the church rise up together and for us to all take our place, to storm the very gates of hell that cannot come against the church? That has to require sacrifice. And it will mean that we will lose some things. It does mean that there will be dark times. David knew something about the darkness and he knew something about the light. I don't know what you feel about Stephen Furtick. I don't really care, except for this point. Stephen Furtick preached a message and he was talking about the fact that when life is going well, we oftentimes think that God is with us. When everything in our lives seems to be going the way that we want it to go, when money's in the bank, when our relationships are good, when we're getting all A's, where's the all A people in the room, hallelujah. When we're getting all A's, when we're in our right minds that God is with us. But he also said that when things are difficult, when a diagnosis comes, when we're failing that class, when we're not healthy, sometimes we believe that God is not with us. How many of you know that neither of those are true, that most of us on most days are carrying joy and sorrow simultaneously? 
How many of you can say, yes, I am carrying some high highs and some low lows in both of my hands? And here's the thing, beloved. God wants and cares about both of those things. He cares about the brokenness in your life, your family members who are not saved, the difficulties of the things that you are giving up, but he also longs for you to know him and to cling to him in this present moment. He said, I cling to you. Do you know what it means to cling to God? I mean, with your whole breath, not just because something's wrong. Do you know something? I want to encourage you to know something about clinging to God, saying, God, you are my God. Early in the morning, I earnestly seek you. I'm not talking about being churchy, and I'm not talking about proving anything to anyone. I'm asking you to prepare yourselves for the darkness that will continue to come before Jesus comes. And I'm asking you to prepare yourselves and to hold fast to what happened in this room as an encouragement that God not only sees you, but he trusts you and he will inhabit the praise of his people no matter where we are. I have seen the manifestation of God's glory and presence in dark back alleys. I have seen the manifestation and glory of God in front of high schools where shootings have occurred. I have seen the manifestation and the glory of God in the city of Minneapolis after we saw the snuffing out of a man's life. And can I give you something that the media would not tell you? In those days following the darkness in Minneapolis, we baptized so many young people that we had to use water bottles to baptize them. <laughs> Nobody would imagine after the murder of George Floyd, that we would see revival. It may not have been like what you saw, but we had former pimps, drug dealers, prostitutes, people who came who wanted to live, young people from the streets of Minneapolis who came and stood in front of buildings. And the number came so quickly, but here was the reality. The church came together, the black church, the white church, the liberal church, the conservative church. We all stood together and we let a generation cry out. And as they cried out, we saw a quaking and they got on their knees by the hundreds and said, what must I do, Lord, to be saved? And we cracked water bottles and baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the media would never tell you that. You see, revival doesn't always just happen in clean, pristine places. Revival happens where hearts are desperate, where death is lurking at the door, where people want change, where lives are starting to quake and break under the cycles of oppression. I don't know about you, but I want to see more revivals. How many of you know while things were happening here, they were happening at Lee? and Cedarville, and Wheaton. They may not have been as big, but they were no less glorious because the king was getting the glory that he deserved. I am looking at men and women of righteousness. I am calling you and locking eyes with you and asking you to prepare yourselves now to let the baptism of the Holy Spirit of what happened in this room Awaken your senses to the fact that even when darkness tries to encroach upon you, darker world, brighter Christ. Darker world, 
brighter Christ. Someone say it with me. Darker world, brighter Christ. Darker world, brighter Christ. You all, there is a desperation that God is calling us to. So what does it look like for us to take a hold of this sacred present moment? What do I mean by sacred? Sacred means that there is something or someone that has been set apart for God's holy purposes. Let me be bold. Is there anyone in this room who would say, I have been set apart for God's holy purposes? And I am unashamed to say, I've been set apart. Where are you at? Have you been set apart for God's holy purposes? This is what you need to be able to proclaim. Not to me, but to Jesus when he says, have you been called and set apart for my holy purposes? Where are you at? Stand up right where you are if you've been called to God's holy purpose. Right now. Where you are. You need to look around this room. And you need to stand here knowing that you are not making a vow to me, that you are declaring before God that I am committed to his holy purpose no matter what happens. No matter the sacrifice. I am committed to the things of God. And how many of you know that when you stand before God and you give an oath, when you said yes to Jesus, there's no turning back now. Ready yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Walk in holiness. Walk in dedication before the Lord. Heal what is broken and go out into the world and share the gospel. Proclaim the gospel to the highways and the byways because the time is short. You may be seated. For the rest of you who did not stand, I'm not going to ask you why. That's for you and God to figure out. That's for you and God to determine. But here's what I'm asking you. If you've got reservations in your life, if you don't know why you need to walk with God, let me tell you that there are historical, philosophical, theological, anthropological reasons. Study to show yourself approved. If you're just shell-shocked and tired, amen and hallelujah. I get it. If you're sick and tired of the way that Christianity has been lived out, praise the Lord. I get that too. But let me tell you something. There is a difference between what people do and who God is. And if you let your faith ride or die on what human beings do, then I would ask you to go back and study the scriptures. Because the Jesus that met me at 23 years old at a huddled mass on the floor, having been a church girl all my life, is no farce, he's no fairy tale, he's no joke. He is the God of all creation that saved a girl whose own life meant nothing to her. And if he can do it in me, he can do it for you. And he will do it not just in this nation. God does not owe the United States of America anything special. 
The revivals that are happening are happening in Africa and Asia and Central and South America. People are bringing evangelists here because the wealthiest country in the world doesn't know who he is, who we have proclaimed. All of you who stood up and said, I am about the kingdom, be students of a global Jesus. Be students of a Jesus that does not look like many of the images that many of us were raised in. Be anthropologically honest about the person of Jesus. Let the glory and the power of him who you experienced in this room rivet you and change your entire life. Cast off every dead work, every bit of wrong religion, everything that would seek to steal your joy. Use your intellect, beloved. How many of you would say in here, yep, I'm smart and I know it? Wave at me because you're smart and you know it. Where's all the intellectual giants up in here? Go and wave at me. Y'all just act like, stop being deep and spiritual. Where are the people who know that you have, stop it. Where are the intellectual people in here who know you have an intellectual gift? Wave at me. Okay, thank you. You see, it wasn't that hard, boo thing. Okay, so here's the reality. Use your intellectual prowess to study, to study the things of God and to make God knowable and teachable. Are y'all hearing me today? I know you just back from spring break. Y'all should have slept and somebody should have warned you before I came in this room. (laughs) Is anybody like, dang, somebody should have told us. You should have had some coffee today, babe. Somebody should have told you, I am so sorry, I am not an introvert. For all the introverts in the room, you're going to be all right. Listen, (laughs) I am simply your sister. That's all I am. The degrees I possess, the stories I'm telling you, I am simply somebody who is further along the journey than you are. On this marathon, I am around the corner, and I can see some things to come. Y'all, I know that you get sick and tired of people being on your stages, but some of us are coming here not because we can get a paycheck, because our lives have been dedicated to your generation. I'm standing before you because my whole life has been about your generation. My cries and my tears are your generation, and the revival that I'm seeing in the world is your generation. It is a global, massive, burning fire that is coming. And how many of you know we need it? We need a burning fire, a passion for the Holy Spirit. So I'm talking about someone that's been set apart for God's holy purposes. To be present means to be alive to the moment while trusting the Lord for new revelation in the next. How many of you are like, God, I need a new revelation of who you are? I need a deeper revelation of who you are. How many of you are like, I don't even have any revelation of God and I need a revelation of who God is? Wherever you are, God wants to take where you are and he wants to catapult you to the next. But our lives in him will encompass darkness and light. We will experience the birth pangs. We'll experience the challenges. But he is calling us to faithfulness. And those of us who stood and said yes must help them. Must be a witness and a voice to say stand up and rise up and do not faint. God will give us deeper revelation, 
Do not allow busyness to obscure your vision. And let me say this to you. You all, please stay off the social media that would say what happened in this room did not happen. Please stay away from it. Please stay away from it. Because how many of you know what happened in this room was real? How many of you know the manifestation of God in here could not have been made up? How many of you know that people would not have spent their own money and come here if God had not moved in this place? So if you know that to be true, guard it. Don't ever let anyone take from you what God has deposited in you, Asbury. Because here is where we will see the ripple effects for generations to come. And as the worship team comes and we prepare to close, I want to talk about this moment. And maybe this is a moment where we need to continue the work of repentance. If you were in a place in your life before we close where you're like, Lord, I know what happened in this room is real. I know the power of God is real. But I still have things and grudges and concerns then I encourage you to be bold and to come and to kneel before this altar. Because let me help you. The way that some of you are looking at me is so mean-mugging and so nasty, I feel like coming down off this stage, walking right over to you and saying, what is wrong with you today? You all are the revivalists. Y'all are the ones who God trusted. You are the ones that God is moving in. Have I scared you today? Are y'all like, Jesus, get this woman up out of here. Nope, I'm going to be here for a little bit. Here's the reality. I love you enough to chase after you. But I love him more. And I will chase after him for the rest of my life. And if that means I go it alone, then I will go along. But I will never stop preaching, teaching, telling, encouraging, and calling you all to this sacred present moment remembering that in the darkness, the light will also shine in its brightest. Do not give up hope. Do not walk away. Do not tell God, I'm done, because that is what the enemy would love for us to do. Y'all see me? That he would love for us to do. But more than anything, I want to encourage you that you are loved. You are being prayed for. You are being fought for. You are believed in. God trusts you. We trust in you. And there is a generation around the world who is saying, come link arms with us because the journey has just begun. So let's stand and let's worship with hope in our hearts that what God has done in this room, he will continue to do both today and going forward. Amen? Amen. Amen.